Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. Pharrell on a bench in the biggest way possible, hanging out a bad seat, a broken day, a bad apple with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad letters, bad taste, bad law, bad dude, bad breath, bad attitude, bad vibes. We are live in the Pharrell Palatial, right across the river and through the woods from where Granny likes to steal my flower when she's drinking at JMO in New York City, the Big Apple. Ooh. People dressed in plastic bags, directed traffic, some kind of fashion shake, and should do but I'm up in the camera, I'm about to fly to party up, rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown, what a mess, this town's a tattered, my brains are splattered all over Manhattan, should do be shake out, who, what's gigging, it's for all with Mafia tonight, they're in Hoover time, the Flyers and Islanders going at it, tied at fours, and Philly on a power play for another 35 seconds after a Broussard slash on Claude Giroux. This game is crazy. Of course, the Islanders trying uh, to close out the series. The Flyers trying to win their third game of the series all in overtime. Of course, they won the last game in overtime to get to this game. And now they're trying to do it again. And the Islanders had all kinds of chances in this overtime, at least three or four good, clean looks. Barzal had one of them a couple of minutes ago on a pass from Eberle. And Hart made the save with his chest on a beautiful give-and-go in front of the net. And he popped it up in the air, and it hit him up near the mask, but in the top of his chest. And uh, the Flyers got nothing on that power play, but they do have the puck deep in the outer end. When we come back... We'll get into that crazy game between the Raptors and Celtics tonight. Of course, Toronto wins it on a miracle three with no time left. Ananobi in the corner, left all alone on an inbounds cross-court heave. He throws it up, it goes in. And Toronto breathing life now into the series down 2-1. If they would have lost, it would have been 3-zip. I still think Boston has owned them. In this series, get on the bench tonight. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. 
I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, for all events, we'll talk to Jerry Palm uh, coming up at uh, like around 1025 East, 725 West with the uh, college football scene going on. Anyway, uh, I'm watching this overtime game. I'm just like uh, deep into it. I can't uh, tell, uh, frankly, you know, it, it's hard, for, it's hard for me to focus on doing the show when I'm watching this great overtime and the NBA game as well. I can't tell you, like, I'm drowning in this stuff. But anyway, I thought, seriously, um, going back to the uh, Raptors game just for a minute, and I'll, I'll let you know if anything happens in this hockey game as I'm uh, watching it and talking to you at the same time. Look, I thought that in all reality, I still think Boston should have won that game. And I think Boston has Toronto uh, in all kinds of problems. I mean, they just cannot get rid of them. Uh, They just cannot like shake the Celtics. They can't get a lead. They can't, if they get one, they can't keep it. Uh, If they get on a run, like a 10-2 run, it ends and then they give up you know, eight or 10 points. And, and the next thing you know, they're down for, I mean, every single thing that they throw at them doesn't work. I don't know if you've noticed it, but they have literally been an absolute pain in their neck. And here's another one. It's like, they have so many star players that have shown up for the, you know, postseason. Whereas, you know, we always talk about their big four with Hayward being the weak link of the Kemba, Tatum, Brown trio. And then the fourth would be Hayward. Hayward is out, obviously, with the ankle for a few more weeks. They're saying he's coming back to the bubble. He's got to quarantine and then he's got to rehab it and PT it. And then they're hoping to get him back if they advance. Right. So let's say they advance to the Eastern Conference final and then. Let's say they get to the NBA finals. Who knows the way they're playing? They could beat anybody. So then he'd be back. But right now he's out and Smart's kind of filled that role. And he's been incredible. In the last game, he hit the five threes and was the difference. So look, it does not matter what they do. Like tonight, they kind of shut down Brown and Tatum, right? They were pedestrian. But then Kemba Walker goes off. I mean, it's just, if they beat you one way, it's, if it's not that way, it's another. You know what I mean? Like, one way, it'll be Tatum doing you. Then the next night, it's Brown doing you. Then the next night, it's it's Walker doing you. Then the next night, it's Smart doing you. So, tonight, Walker had 29, 
four threes, three boards, three dimes, incredible handle and, and poise. He played 39 minutes and was just untouchable. They couldn't stop him. He had a drive late in the game where he drove from the top of the key all the way down to the baseline and in one motion did a fadeaway baseline popper up in the air, teardrop, all net. It's just the sickest shot in the world. I love that shot when I play ball. That And Mafia knows it's true. My kind of my corners and baseline shots are lethal. And this guy came down there 100 miles an hour, popped back and hit this fadeaway baseline teardrop. It was sickening. And it just goes to show you, they can't figure out what to do, the Raptors, against this team. Now, grant you, I get it. They won the game. We'll get to that. But I think they have a real problem with this Boston team. I mean, Mafia, I don't know if you watched the game, but all I know is it doesn't matter what they do. It just does not matter what they do. Like, I'm sitting here looking at, like, Gasol. He scored 10 points and had six boards. I mean, that is the softest 10 and six for a seven-footer I've ever seen in my life. Like, they've just completely annihilated him from this series so far. He doesn't even matter. I mean, at all. I mean, he's just getting run right by, too. Like, he's so slow when it comes to this team. You know, Tatum Brown and... Walker are just too fast for uh, Marcus All. That's just all there is to it. And then they held Siakam to 16. He was 6 of 15 from the floor, seven boards. You know, that's really a decent game for him. It's not a good game. It's decent at best. Ananobi hits the winner. He had 12. He had three threes. I'll give him that. Lowry and Van Vliet were the difference, 31 and 25. Uh, Lowry had the 31, two threes, 13 and 23 from the floor. Van Vliet, 25, he had five threes. Nobody else did jack. Bottom line is they got outboarded, 44-39. Both teams shot about the same, 46 for Toronto, 47% 47% for Boston. But my point is, is that uh, Brown, uh, you know, he had 19. He had 12 boards. The double-double for Brown, 19 and 12. Brown had a dunk late in the game. So did uh, Tice. Uh, and and really, so did Williams. They all three had late dunks. My point is, is that when the game was close, with under two minutes to go, let's say, every basket that Boston scored, frankly, in my opinion, was either literally a dunk or a brown uh, baseline popper shot. There was about four buckets in the last minute and a half, and then three of them were dunks, just flush dunks on the baseline and then coming right down the freeway, right into your driveway. And you can't deny it, Mavia. They do whatever they want, Boston. Literally, they do whatever they want to score. I mean, whatever they want works. And Toronto can't stop them. Yeah, they really... I mean, obviously, you have a lot of weapons hard to defend them because then you got guys trying to help. And by doing that, you're leaving your own guy open. But I'm with you. I was completely... Before OG hit that shot, You know, my complete thought when we were getting ready to come on this show was to just go on I talk about how useless Marcus All is. You know, I, they showed us all these pictures about how ripped he was in the you know time off when he was home, and you know how great he looked. He, he looks terrible since he came on the court, and they've made him look ridiculous with these guys. You know, with uh, you know these players on Boston, like you know, Tice, that that pass 
for the dunk right before the end of the game there when to put them down. I mean, he's running around looking like a chicken with his head cut off, not knowing where he's supposed to be on that as Kemba's dragging guys with him three deep. I mean, he has been a bum. I remember earlier in the series, they were talking about how, well, you know, Nick Nurse trying to figure out when to play Serge and when to play, you know, the other guy, Boucher. And I'm like, uh, how about every single minute you're supposed to give Gasol, you play to those guys because they're way better. I mean, this is the first game that Ibaka sucked. Otherwise, he's been one of their best players the first two. But, I mean, Gasol's been a liability every time he's out there, defensively even. Why do they not uh, – uh, like, I know he only had eight, but did he not hit a gigantic three from 30 feet out, Powell? Why did they take him out of the game with four minutes left? The guy was know. making it's, it's plays. This rotation I figured out. I don't know whether it's, he's not doing enough defensively on these guys or what, but I, I, I would leave him out there. He's a much better shooter than some of these other guys. Look at this. Oh, that's a penalty right there. They just The Flyers are on a power play, right? And for the last two minutes of the period, and then they get a breakaway. The the there was a mistake by the Flyers. Islanders pick up the puck in the neutral zone. Sezika starts skating in. He gets yanked from behind. That's a you know on the way to a, a shorthanded goal. In my opinion, that's a penalty shot. But they're not going to get him for that. They're going to get him for like a hook. But that that guy's skating in all alone for a shorthanded goal, and. He threw his stick at him, and then he, I mean, it, it should be two penalties. There's so many penalties on this. He threw the stick at him. That's a penalty. Then he hooked him. Then he shoved him from behind with both hands like a cross check. I mean, I saw three penalties in one play. So, yeah, I mean, there, I'm just calling. Yeah, guys back, so then I could give it to him, but I agree with you that he completely was going to be on his own. If he doesn't have that stick slow him down at first, I think he might have been on a clear breakaway. Right, like, is that not to you? Did you not see at least two penalties on that play? At least. Oh, absolutely. I mean, how okay, do you, but, throwing a stick should be more than just one penalty. That's dangerous, too. Right, he threw his stick at him like a spear. How is that not a penalty shot? Are you kidding me? I, I'm not even, I have no rooting interest uh, other than, you know, I'm rooting for Carver High's team. But uh, bottom line is, I just thought that was a terrible, I think he deserved a penalty shot. I mean, honestly. Anyway, uh, the Flyers blew their chance at a uh, power play. Now it's four on four. So there you go. And, um, you know, this is going to go, it looks like, to double overtime because they're at about 30 seconds left in the overtime. So this is a crazy game. It's a crazy night. Uh, Go with us. You know what to do. Get benched. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down and too many people fall victim to the picture perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so they're going to go to the half. I mean, the Clippers are just killing the Nuggets now. It's 69-51 clip joint. Four seconds left in the half. Here's the deal. The 
the Nuggets came out in the first quarter and looked uh, fantastic. Like they had a lead. They were playing loose. They were having fun. Everything was good. And then uh, in the second quarter, they hit a wall. Like you have no idea. They looked like they were running uh, in the shallow end. And then all of a sudden, uh, it got real deep. You know, they were running, everything was fine. They're running around the shallow end. And then all of a sudden they were in deep and they were up to their neck and, and tired. They just looked dead tired, like dead weight. And now they're getting whacked by the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard. 69-51 at the half. So uh, there you go. I was on that Clippers and laying eight from the jump because that Ali Frazier uh, Nugget Jazz series the other night, and that seven-gamer, it had to suck the life out of him. I just believe all these people selling you all the time, don't worry, the team that's been playing is going to do better than the team that's been resting, except when the team that's resting is twice as good as the team that's tired, <laughs> which is the case, right? All right, so we'll get into that game in the second half as it uh, – kind of rolls along and then they're going to double overtime with the Islanders and Flyers. We'll keep our eyes on that. And then later Vegas and Vancouver. And if they, uh, let's say Vancouver were to win tonight, they would play again tomorrow night. And then tomorrow night, Av stars game seven. We'll get into all that as well. It's Pharrell on the bench. Jerry Palms with CBSSports.com and uh, CBS Sports Network. The guy has been on my show for years. We love him. Uh, we talk a lot of college rack and college football with Jerry. Let's bring him in. How you doing, Jerry? Hope everything's good, buddy. Yeah, I'm doing all right. How are you, Scotty? I'm pretty good. I can't complain, bro. It's good to uh, have you back on the bench. So, um, you know, I, I guess where I want to start, first of all, is, you know, you and I quite in the history of our relationship has been uh, a lot of Big Ten, back and forth, old oak and bucket. We don't really like each other. Indiana, Purdue. I went to IU. You went to <laughs> Purdue. Uh, I really, you know, can't stand you year round. But on the air, I love you. And so let's start with the Big Ten. First of all, today, uh, the alleged drop dead date of October 10th, according to uh, those that think they know uh, have said that that's not happening. And then I said on my show on TV on Coast to Coast on Sports Grid TV, I said that, look, if they start by Thanksgiving, all these complaining families and parents and kids and players that want to transfer and quit or, you know, they've all been crying for a month now and protests that were pathetic in Chicago to begin with, 20 people showed up at that thing. But the thing is, right, but the thing is, that was so pathetic, it wasn't even funny. So the thing is, though, I said today is that, listen, for all the complaining they all do, how can you not just like exhort the, the fact that they could actually have football in November and then like November, December, January, play football, play the whole schedule in dome stadiums and just have at it. Who cares if it's Thanksgiving? It's like a month and three weeks, whatever it is, two months maximum until they, you know, Thanksgiving. Is it even that long? I think it is, but whatever, like, isn't something better than nothing yeah. for all these complaining hacks? Um. I, I don't I think Thanksgiving uh, football would be profoundly stupid because if you're playing at Thanksgiving, all of these teams that are playing now are, are making a charge towards a playoff and, you know, bowl games or whatever, and that you are not participating in. Right. <laughs> you know, you, some people talk about spring football as being exhibition games. If you want to make sure they're treated like exhibition games, play at Thanksgiving. 
that 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 would be that would be ridiculous. Just play, if you're going to play, play in 2021. What everybody else has done, if they can get that far, we don't even know if they can get that far. But if if they can get that far, and let them play, get out of their way. When are you going to get on TV in at, around Thanksgiving? <laughs> You've got all the, the games scheduled for TV already. I mean, the Big Ten Network will televise stuff, but right. you know, it's, no Thanksgiving is just logistically is ridiculous. You either play now and get in with everybody else or you just do it in 2021 well i'm fine with that but the problem is that's not what they're gonna do yeah i think it is what they're gonna do i don't think they're gonna oh, play think, in the fall i don't think they're gonna oh, play you don't Thanksgiving. Think, oh you don't even no, think they're gonna play think, at all uh, not in 2020 i think they'll play in the spring or you know 2021 uh shortened season but i don't think they're gonna play in 2020 so you think all of the talk about Thanksgiving and the winter, January, you know, they've had two scenarios. Well, you they, think that's all, all bogus? It, no, not January. That's 2021. I don't think they're playing at Thanksgiving. I don't think they're playing in calendar year 2020. Wow. So you think, well, first of all, even if they did, it's like you said, they would not be part of the playoff picture. It's going to strictly be uh, the ACC, uh, the SEC, and the Big 12, correct? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, unless, you know, some American conference team has, you know, a remarkable run of some sort, but that just seems unlikely. It's They're going to have a 14 playoff from those three conferences. So there was a story today, I don't know if you saw it, in the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution that said that Justin Fields should transfer back to Georgia because they're not going to let him play football (laughs) at at Ohio State because they granted him a waiver to play immediately at Ohio State and that uh, this this, uh, alleged idea was kind of resorted to the fact that if he can do it there, why not do it again and come back? And even though he was treated badly, allegedly, down there, uh, what do you think of that? uh, I would be shocked if he went back to Georgia. I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if he transferred to a place where he could play right away, you know, but that's not there. I mean, he left there for a reason. Um, But it's – you know, it's funny. I mean, you mentioned about all the people complaining. There certainly has been no shortage of whining in the Big Ten about all of this. Um, but and then you also talked about, you know, players leaving droves, but that really hasn't happened. Um, you know, the uh, you, we, the Big Ten had a lot of opt-outs, but they don't have as many as either the SEC or the ACC, and they're still playing. Um, the, and the Big Ten had a lot of opt-outs before they ever canceled the season. Uh, they've only had you know a handful or so since then. Um, those guys that are not going to play in the spring if they play. So, and there hasn't been a slew of transfers. In fact, I don't think there have been any, or but maybe a couple of people have gone into the transfer portal uh, since you know they canceled the season. One guy in the Pac-12 transferred specifically to play this year from UCLA to Baylor, an offensive lineman. That's it. You know, right. there hasn't been a slew of decommitments. There hasn't been this talent drain in either of those leagues as a result of this, at least not yet. So let me ask you a question about fields at, at Georgia. Refresh my memory. Cause today there was some uh, inclination that he was, uh, he left there because he, he, there was some semblance of racism going on. Is that, is that accurate? Or because I was trying to figure out like, I, really, I don't remember I, it. Yeah, I don't remember it specifically. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's, 
I, I just don't remember specifically why he left. I do remember it being something, something about not, not being treated well. Uh, but I don't know if that was, he felt like the staff wasn't treating him well or the fans weren't treating him well, or I, mean, I don't know what it was specifically, but uh, the way I remember it was he didn't feel like he was being treated well. But that's been a couple of like, years now, so I'm, I'm sorry I don't like, remember it. Isn't 80, I mean, like, I would guess, if I were to guess, if I were to guess, I would say that 75, 80% of the players down there are African-American. I mean, I like, I've never, I live down in Atlanta. It's, it's, uh, it's the biggest black city in the country. And it's, and Athens, uh, is a safe haven, I think for, uh, frankly, black athletes to play sports. I mean, it's a, it, there's a huge campus of of African Americans. I don't understand why that would be the case. I almost don't believe it. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know what to, to tell you. I certainly don't have any knowledge of living in the South. Um, you know, it's I. I just I can't speak intelligently about that. Sorry. All right. So uh, let me ask you what What did you think when you heard that uh, the kid from Wake Forest? Uh, quit the Georgia football team uh, before they ever took a snap. I mean, uh, yeah, I just well, can't believe. Like, well, you're I didn't a lot of a that. Month well, I don't know. I mean, maybe he was holding out to see if it ever came around to where he would feel safe playing. And uh, and maybe he finally got to the point where he didn't feel like, you know, we're getting ready to play and I don't feel safe still. So I'm not going to play. Uh, but you're seeing a lot of really good players opt out, you know, guys that are going to be first round picks. And I don't know that he's one of those guys, um, but you know, guys like Jamar chase, uh, you know, guys above that level are opting out and, you know, preparing for the draft as it were. So I was like, I'm not going to risk not just injury, but getting this virus that we don't really know how to deal with well yet. And, and, and risk my the NFL over that. So you're seeing a lot of high end guys, opt out and that's and i you know I, I wonder if agents are getting to them you know and convincing that that you know what really you gotta you gotta just sit this out and, and get ready for you know the draft next year and in the big 10 and pac 12 in particular you know spring football that they're playing in january or february or whenever that is what the end of april something like that right. um they're not uh, the, the better players are not going to play period all right, so I got about 20 seconds. Isn't that uh, star receiver from Purdue opting out too? Yeah, he was one of the first guys. Yeah, before they canceled the season, about a week before. No, two what's weeks his, before. What's his name again? Rondell Moore. Rondell yeah. Moore. Yeah, that's unfortunate for them because they stink with him. Imagine how bad they're going to be without him. <laughs> yeah, that is a position of death at Purdue, though. though. They've got a lot of great young receivers, but nobody as good as him. All right, so uh, we'll come back with uh, Jerry Palm and talk more about what's going on in the SEC and the Big 12 because I'm fired up for college football. Even the bad games going on this weekend. So anyway, uh, Mavi is telling me that uh, what happened to Fields at, at Georgia was uh, I, apparently, allegedly, a baseball player down there was directing racial slurs at Fields, and he was having none of it, and then he, he wanted out. So that's a sad story, to be honest with you. 
let me ask you this question. Uh, Jerry Palm with a CBS Sports. So uh, LSU lost all those players to the NFL. And then uh, Ed Orgeron uh, said that, uh, you know, we got the greatest class of uh, freshmen that he's ever seen in his entire career down at uh, LSU, whatever, anywhere he's been, anywhere he's coached. He's, he's the best freshman class he's ever seen. And so, I, you know, he's like, we're going to pick up right where we left off. I got a hard time. Now, listen, I don't deny they got a great football program. That's fair enough. I think that last year they had the perfect storm with the, you know, all those players going to the NFL were all like, you know, men against boys and their quarterback was phenomenal. And it all was the, you know, just everything worked and everything clicked. I have a hard time believing, uh, Jerry, that they can lose that many players and just go out and kick everyone's ass again and, and keep going right where they left yeah. off. Uh, do you think they're that good? Not a chance. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I would be, it, it would be much more impressive if they did it again this year with all that they lost. It's uh, and especially, you know, now they're only playing conference games, right? So they don't really get, you know, like warmups against, uh, you know, the, you know, Northwestern states of the world. The, the right. And of course they lost a non-conference game with Texas as well, but um, you know, they, they got to go right in uh, right off the bat and start playing SEC teams. So yeah, it's, uh, and they're not going to play anything but SEC teams. It, it's going to be a struggle for them. This year, I, I then you know not just the guy they lost to the NFL, but then you know guys like Jamar Chase opt out, you know that they were counting on for this year. Right. So it's yeah, it's going to be a struggle for them, and it's the most competitive division in football with you know Alabama, Auburn, A and M, uh, LSU. You know that's uh, LSU could end up fourth in that group and still be a top fifteen football team. But I'm hearing that uh, from my sources that Alabama is completely double barrel locked in loaded. I mean, ready to rock and roll totally with everyone. I, I believe that uh, we won't know. I mean, they could go undefeated in the SEC, and that that'll be a pretty good accomplishment if they do that. Uh, but until they get out and play outside their league uh, in in the playoff, we won't really know for sure. Clemson's still the king until, or uh, well, LSU is. Um, but Clemson beat them the last time that they got to play each other. So, you know, I, I, Clemson's number one, and I think a legit number one. Uh, but Alabama certainly good enough to win the whole thing. So, uh, when when you look at um, you know what's going on on campuses everywhere right now, Jerry, like you know you're you're like me, an adult out in the real world, living, worried about, uh, you know, many things, uh, your health, your family, people around you, COVID, your job, everything else. And then you're sitting there having dinner and then you turn on the evening news and David Muir's on ABC or whatever, doing the nightly COVID death update. And they're showing college campuses just absolutely running rampant with this COVID. I mean, it is out of control on college campuses. In fact, it's on college campuses now more than anywhere else in the country. It's the biggest problem on this planet right now is that American college campuses, and you're telling me that, and I'm not saying you, but people are trying to sell me that this isn't going to be a problem for these football programs in these three conferences like yeah. that matter. 12, 12 uh, ACC and, and SEC. You're telling me they're not going to get hit with this because I just don't believe that for one minute. 
we've already seen it. I mean, NC State uh, had to pause practice for a while because they had an outbreak on the team, East Carolina, who's not in one of those conferences. Same thing, though, had to pause. I mean, Texas Tech had a couple of dozen, gosh, last week. They didn't even stop practicing. They just kept right on plowing through. Uh, North Carolina had a big outbreak on campus, hasn't affected the football team yet, so far as we know. Uh, Notre Dame had a big outbreak on campus, and they were, you know, really uh, proud of the pr- protocols that they had put in place and had a good first couple of days. And then uh, they had to go uh, to online classes entirely uh, for a couple of weeks. I don't think that's over yet. I think they're still in the middle of that. So, so you're right. I mean, that's a problem everywhere. And by the way, uh, we moved my son down to Purdue uh, for uh, this semester <laughs> just uh, about a week and a half ago. So um, now, you know, he's like, least, he's a big introvert, so he lives by himself. So he's like the least likely person on campus to get COVID. But, you know, um, Purdue suspended 36 people right. the weekend before campus, uh, before school started, because they, right. they were at a party, just for being at a party, um, you know, with no masks and no social distancing. I mean, they're, they're taking it as seriously as you can, but it's, I think it's going to be hard to keep kids that age. Uh, from making the kind of decisions that cause these problems. It's, it's, uh, I just, I think it's asking a lot of that group of, of people. And I, you know, when I was that age, I made bad decisions and I wasn't trying to, you know, and I don't think well, these guys are trying to either. They're just being who they oh, are, but it's, it's going to be hard. You're right. How about these schools, Jerry, that are sending kids home? Like uh, that, that they already went down there and they, or whatever, they went to school. The kids went to school started school and then two, three weeks later, they're sending them home. And then I have heard that like, you know, Fauci and CDC people are saying that's the worst thing you can do is because they go down there, it's running rampant on the campus and then they'd send them all back home. And then what they do is they carry it back to where they started at home uh, to the communities that they come from and they're just carrying it back and, and it's just going it's going everywhere uh, that they'd be better off staying where they are on the campus. Do you buy that? Yeah, and actually, I've, we've heard that um, with regard to athletics as well. You know, some of the, the players are like, look, you know, we're, we're safer with the team than we are at home right. uh, because people at home aren't taking care of themselves and we might be bringing stuff back with us. And Yeah, it's, you know, we're, we're safer with the team where we're getting tested once in a while and we know what's going on. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not that kind of scientist. Uh, but when guys like Fauci are saying that that's a bad idea, then I believe that's a bad idea. How about um, like Georgia Tech has it bad. Oklahoma had it bad. Texas had it bad. Uh, I saw it today. Not that yeah, you're they, talking about they campuses, not the athletics. Well, yeah, just campuses. So I don't care if it's campus right. or not. At the campus, like, listen, right. my problem with the campus is, is that I don't believe for one minute, just so we're clear, uh, when I was in college, here's how many adults I listened to. Zero. Okay, so when I was there, yeah, right. they said, exactly. Scott, get up early and go to class. That didn't happen. Scott, don't drink and do drugs. That didn't happen. I did whatever I wanted. Scott, uh, don't join a fraternity and run around naked on campus with girls. That that did happen. So, like, I don't listen to anybody. So they said to him, don't have any keg parties when you go back to college. That's the first thing they did was have keg parties. So my point is, I don't believe college athletes stay away from that and stay away from women and stay away from parties. They just don't do it. I know that all these people think that they do, and all those people are stupid. Yeah, no, there's, no, the athletes socialize. 
just like everybody else. You better believe age. it. You, know, you better that, believe it. Yeah, they absolutely do. I mean, you know, Mike, it's different. He's, you know, but he's different. <laughs> he's not, he's not, you know, what everybody else is doing, but that's, you know, your typical kid. I mean, that's what I did. I was, I couldn't wait to get down to campus and start meeting people and doing stuff. You know, that's, right. and you know, that's 99% of the kids. How did you convince your son to go to that miserable school you went to? How'd you sucker him into that, Jerry? <laughs> not sucker him at all. <laughs> Liar. He's a computer science guy, so that's, that's an easy uh-huh. sell. Liar. So what do you think is going to happen in the Big 12? I love how all those cowboys down there think. They're like, we ain't stopping nothing. We're having a barbecue party, and we're going to have tailgates, too. We got Big 12 football fired up like a charcoal grill. Uh, and meanwhile, they got it yeah. all over those campuses, too. What do you think is going to happen in that conference this year? Is it all about Oklahoma? Uh, until somebody knocks them off, it is. I, I think Texas is going to be the, the primary challenger uh, to them. And I don't really know if there's another team that, that's going to push uh, those two. Uh, Texas looks like they're starting to separate themselves. Uh, uh, you know, every, people keep wanting to say Texas is back. I don't know if they're really back. They're not. I don't know if they're back until they actually win the league. But but they're as close as they've been to back, I think, because they're pretty much the primary challenger now to Oklahoma. And I don't know that there is another one. There's some pretty good players in that league, like uh, Chuba Howard, um, Hubbard, I mean, at Oklahoma State, might be the best running back in the country. But right. I think he's got enough around him for the team to contend with Oklahoma. But um, – it's uh yeah it's I think it's Oklahoma and Texas and probably still just Oklahoma. So uh, how do you think Lane Kiffin and uh, Mike Leach are going to do? Well, I mean it's going to be a bit of a struggle. You know they're they're in that division with you know Alabama, Auburn, A and M, and LSU. So you know this year it'll it'll be fun. Yeah, it's not going to be as fun because we're not going to get to you know, go down there, talk to them in person, you know, things like that. It's everything's still remote. So we're not going to, I don't know that we'll have as much of the crazy as we normally get from those guys. And I, I say that in a mostly good way. Uh, but in Mississippi, at least off the field, the state of Mississippi is going to be the most interesting state in college football this year because of those two guys. And it might be a couple of years before they start to match things up on the field. Next week, not this week, the, the games this week, like tonight and on uh, Saturday and Monday, they're all terrible. I guess BYU-Navy isn't the worst thing I've ever heard of. But next week, uh, it I all like starts. Like, at that one. Yeah. Duke-Notre Dame. How about these? Syracuse-North Carolina. Uh, Louisiana-Iowa State. Uh, and then I'm just going to, like, a couple of them I'll give you. Uh how about uh, Clemson and Wake? I mean, obviously Clemson will win that game, but at least they're playing Tulsa and Oklahoma State, UTEP and Texas. Uh, those aren't the worst games I've heard uh, of, obviously, compared to the ones that are happening like right now, like Central Arkansas and UAB. It's a 10-point game right now, and South Alabama's leading Southern Miss at the half by three. And then the games this weekend, Saturday, it's like uh, Middle Tennessee and Army up at West Point and – uh, you know, really, uh, the, the rest of them are so awful. I can't even mention them besides that BYU Navy game. But Marshall, East Carolina, right. I guess, uh, w- I guess that was already postponed. So there's only the BYU Navy yeah, game on, because of on the Monday. when East Carolina had that outbreak, they had to postpone that game. So yeah, oh. so East Carolina is not playing this weekend. All right. Well, at least um, we yeah, have college I, I games. 
I, I wouldn't be pay, paying attention this week anyway. I'm getting married on Saturday. So what? I'm, uh, yep. Wow. So I, listen uh, to I'm you, probably Jerry. not watching any football. On, what's that? That listen, what is going on there? You're getting married on Saturday. How's that going down? Listen, between you and Mafia, you're getting married Saturday. Mafia is getting married in like two months. This is crazy. Congratulations. Thank you. Yep. I uh, um, actually, uh, in a sense, kind of got <laughs> having a wedding on the first weekend of college football season would normally be a bad idea, but we kind of anticipated there wouldn't be a lot of college football this weekend, and that, that worked out. But yeah, it's. Um, uh, you know, we're pretty excited about it, obviously. Uh, but that's, you know, that's why I'm not really paying much attention well, to the congrats. college football this weekend. Congratulations, Thanks. Jerry. I think uh, it'd be great if you uh, got caught in the bathroom on your uh, iPhone watching college football right after you exchanged your vows. All right, I got I to go, Jerry. I love you. Con- congratulations. Uh, have a great wedding. I, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm excited for you. Thanks for coming on the bench. Uh, it's uh, Jerry Palm from CBSports.com. There you go. Uh, anyway, Jerry was um, he was just writing me that uh, he didn't mean to end the uh, the segments on wedding news uh, and blow off football. But that's exactly what I wanted him to do. Once he said he was getting married, I had no idea because uh, I've never re- I've been friends with Jerry forever and just on the radio. Right. And so Jerry's been on my show for a long, long time. And I just know him through, you know, sports. And I know him through Big Ten and I know him through college basketball season and college football. And I was on CBS forever. So Jerry was on CBS and he always was on my show. So I never knew his family life, to be honest with you. I don't spend a lot of time. uh, I don't get to spend a lot of time with my guests talking about their uh, families and stuff. You know what I mean? Like I know a lot of people that and I know uh, that they're married or have kids and things of this nature, but I don't get to spend a lot of time talking to them about it. So, uh, a, I didn't know Jerry had a kid at, at Purdue and B, uh, obviously, um, this is some kind of a new wedding for him because he has a kid. Uh, maybe he had that with a girlfriend or something, who knows, or maybe he got, you know, this is maybe a second wedding or something, second marriage, but who knows? But either way, uh, I love hearing that he's getting married and congratulations to him. And uh, Mafia is getting ready to uh, get married again. So uh, I've seen that happen and I'm going to see it happen again. So uh, sometimes it's uh, well, I think it is clearly better the second time. Uh, First time can be a learning experience for people and uh, it can be a bad experience the first one. and, And then you learn your mistakes and then you are better off the second time. Then again, some people I know have been married four and five times and they're all bad and they're all raging alcoholics and like doing drugs. I just wanted to say that because I'm a jerk. I mean, all my friends that have been married more than twice are all messed up in the head. They're all sleeping with knives. Or guns under their pillow. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to tell Bobby I finished watching Kingdom. The humanity of it all. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. 
Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.